4K video coming to you from Calgary, Alberta. Ralph Klein was the 12th premier of Alberta. He was in power for exactly 24 years, so most of my childhood heading into adulthood. At the time, I thought he was great because he gave me a check for $400, and I wisely spent it on GameCube games. Now I'm not so sure great is the first word that comes to mind in regards to his legacy. I'm Nathan Rohrer, and I still think Resident Evil 4 is the high point in the series. I'm joined, as always, by Ryan McCullough. Hey there, Ryan here. Uh, wait, you're not a fan of King Ralph, as he likes to be called? I mean, he's gone now, so uh, as a kid, like I said, that was sweet. Getting uh, like no, I guess no, no. a teen. No, we still refer to him as King Ralph. His King Ralph and his Ralph Bucks. Those were called Ralph because Bucks. Because he was around for way too long? Yeah, because he, was, he was like, well, no, yes, and he had like a majority, a dominant majority government for a very long time. Like, he got away with, he did, everything he wanted to do was done. Like, yeah, like there was who no needs this telephone company? Sell it. Yeah. That's useless. There was no like, politics. Hey, now Albertans are paying more than anyone anywhere in the country. I'm going to give $400. We paid off the deficit. I'm going to give $400 to every single person. And all these people being like, oh, we shouldn't do that. And he's like, I'm King Ralph. And they're like, yeah, you're right. Give them the Ralph bucks. Hooray. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really, honestly. But I remember the political cartoons of the time always had him with a red nose because he's, of his binge drinking. Yeah, he was a he was a lush. Um, yeah, who oh, would yeah. regularly be drunk on the job and at public events. Uh, yeah, we saw him in like grade six. We went up to the legislature and they were in session, and he okay. was there saying catty things. So <laughs> yeah. the worst part is that this is this is my least favorite part. Have you been to Ralph Klein Provincial Park in Calgary? No, it's really nice. It's kind of sucks. Oh, okay. It's called Ralph Klein Provincial Park, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, I honestly, I'm so, pl- I'm actually kind of pumped that you know what you spent that $400 on because that $400 it, it is kind of times out about right. Like, I think I had to replace a GameCube and I probably would have bought like the hot game that year or something like that. Could but, sorry, what was... You played so much GameCube that you had to replace. I played so much GameCube that while I was playing Pikmin 2 again, it like died on me. So I went down <laughs> to Best Buy and bought another one, <laughs> but yeah. That's great. I'm so happy you said that. Uh, I can't even tell. I couldn't even tell you what I spent that money on. It just like fell into the the waft of money. It made no difference in my life. Like it wasn't special. I didn't. I yeah. Honestly, maybe gas. I think gas. I used that money for gas money potentially. Just put it there aside. Like go. I'm gonna drive more this couple weeks coming up. But if we had AT and T still or whatever, what was it? What was AGT. our local? AGT, we would just have cheaper telephone bills this whole time. Correct. So I probably would have made more than 400 bucks in savings. <laughs> There's probably many but things that they could have set up for us. Uh, let's privatize everything. Like, yeah, he was, these are the things I think about now. But I was, I was young. I when know. we were, no, when we were kids, Nathan, we, Alberta genuinely had some of the world's best medicine and education. And since Rolf Klein's reign and continued conservative legacies, those numbers have dropped. Like we're not even the best in the country. I seem to still see us on like most livable cities or something. And it just makes me feel kind of depressed because I don't feel like we're rocking it in that regard. So the difference being is that a city, everything else is worse. Well, yes, but a city, uh, a city is a different level. We've always, okay. Despite having a very, being from a very conservative province, like we're the Texas of Canada is what they call us. Um, Yeah. Calgary has had a liberal left-leaning mayor since 2002. Okay. 
I was gonna say Klein was also mayor for nine years. Like yes, be- before King Al Durer. of the eighties. So before yeah. Al Durer, because Al Durer was our last conservative mayor. Then Bron Kanye came in for two sessions, and now Nenshi just left after three. And we, our current one, they're all been super left wing, like leaning people. Bron Kanye was a little bit moderate left, but he was still a left leaning person. So Calgary is yeah. a. We vote very left when it comes to like municipal politics, which allows us to have like a good art scene, a good food scene. Calgary's food scene is, we went to Edmonton last summer, my wife and I, and I like Edmonton, but their food scene's not very good. No, my wife and I were kind of like asking each other, what's like the restaurant up there that's like, this is unique to Edmonton, yeah. they started it, and it's great, and we just couldn't really come up with anything. We no. jokingly said Smitty's, because that's where we ended up eating, <laughs> but that's because there's nothing else there. Well, that's what it'd be like. In this like whole region of the city, we were driving around furtively for like half an hour. And my wife and I went, went up there eh. for... We went up there like on a trip and we intentionally had money to spend at really nice restaurants. And every restaurant we were like looking up, it was like the best top list of the last like five years. All of them were closed or like not good anymore. Like it was mm. like it was like, oh, let's just actually save our money and we'll go to nice restaurants. We go back to Calgary and that's exactly what we did. We went to a bunch of nice restaurants here in Calgary. And yeah. to the point where, hey, I saw Daisy Edgar Jones, who you might not recognize the name of, but she's the star of that movie Fresh, the cannibalism movie with uh, Sebastian Stan. Okay. Oh, Disney+. okay. That's relatively new. Yeah. Yeah. She was on James Corden with uh, Pedro Pascal, and they're both. I think you've you've told me this story. Yeah. I don't know if it made it. But to I haven't air, shared this but... anecdote because this is a Calgary related one. They were on James yeah. Corden. They were both here filming uh calgary like area stuff because pedro's filming last of us here in calgary right now actually i just drove past a, a shooting site last week um and she was here filming under the banner of heaven which is that mormon murder movie with andrew garfield like tv show yeah, yeah. uh and they, was, they just started talking about model milk and like the calgary food scene on the middle of james corden and it was pretty fun i'm pretty sure we've said this here but maybe yeah i'm 90 percent sure now okay well, I apologize yeah. if, if if you're the first time listener, this is the first time you heard this anecdote. Okay. Let's check out Model Milk. They got breakfast cereal. No, I don't know what they have. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I'm Ryan, and I'm here watching and talking movies with my friend Nathan. Uh, this week, we're looking at political satire, The Campaign, directed by Jay Roach and written by our old friend Chris Henchy <laughs> and also Sean Harrell, who, or Harwell, who did not have a wiki page, so I don't I don't know what he's about. Uh, Adam McKay has a story credit, so it with fits the other right into our all three guys last week, all three guys have story credits. Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, so he pitched something yes. pertaining to this. Uh, but yeah, I I just felt it would fit into our conversation last week about Will moving into political commentary movies because yeah. this is more explicitly that. Um, it came out August tenth, two thousand twelve. Uh, somehow it cost ninety five million dollars. <laughs> Uh, which, if you factor in the runtime, it's like a million dollars. Well, I saw that you no no you watched the extended cut. I I've mainly seen the extended cut recently, so I watched the theatrical, and that's an eighty nine minute movie. So it's mine's a million even plus. more. Yeah, yeah. Did you see that extra shine on those minutes? Then yeah, I've seen those extra shines before. Okay, uh, box office pulled in one hundred four point nine, eighty six point nine domestic, eighteen international. So because of how expensive it was not a big hit really no although it opened well so i I just don't know what their expectations were with it to like oh hey we won the weekend 27 million dollars but it's like yeah but you spent 
so much filming people in sweaters talking at podiums somehow. So I, I just don't get where it went. Well, but anyway, I, I, I'm intrigued by that number because I, I wonder if it's just contracts. But anyways, yeah, like 20 million for each star or something, something. like I, I don't really know. Like that's but, okay. how they were like, Will and Zach are going to work with each other and we're going to pay for it to happen type of thing. <laughs> So I guess Zach was at peak maybe because like, like the hangover films hangover was a couple years ago yeah. two was not great but it was still a big hit and Will was so like we could have Will was kind of like he was established but wasn't at his peak at this point no because I mean movies we've liked failed like Land yes. is Lost and stuff so yeah. yeah but okay before we get into the nitty gritty I'm gonna go to the plot summary here remember 2012 Obama was about to be elected to a second term, squaring off against Mitt Romney, a Mormon senator from the heart of Utah. At the time, Mitt seemed wildly conservative, but oh, how the times have changed. Mitt is now considered one of the most liberal members of the Republican Party, <laughs> participating in a march for Black Lives Matter and opposing a motion to dismiss impeachment charges leveled at Donald Trump. He is now a pariah in a party he led in 2012. So this political satire from that rosy time a decade ago seems a tad quaint, given how deep the fissure between left and right is now. But let's hearken back to that simple time when the biggest concerns in the world were billionaires meddling with elections via political action committees, and a story could end with a politician doing the right thing and stepping down after a corrupt campaign, handing power over to a big-hearted man who sincerely loved his community and the working-class people that kept it functioning, and who prioritized honesty and transparency in his campaign. If only. Shout out to Bernie Sanders. I was rooting for you, man. I feel like he did a lot of the right stuff, and was like small donors and all that stuff, and second place or whatever. Like, he didn't get the big cheese, the big For shot, neither so. of the elections, yeah. he. So, when he ran in 2016 against Hillary... Hillary for leadership, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of rumors, a lot of people chatting about like that Hillary, that Bernie actually won the popular vote, but because of super delegates, Hillary won because she is more popular among super delegates, which are kind of like represent lobbyist groups and bigger, more important members. Like they have more sway. Yeah, so. than just individual members of the of the Democratic Party. From what I understand, yeah. he, that Bernie actually won the Democrat, like the like the he actually won the popular vote for leadership, but it doesn't matter because you have to have a certain number of superdelegates and they all went with the more moderate, middle-leaning Hillary. Ugh, moderate, middle-leaning, milk-toasty nonsense has <laughs> taken over the Democratic side and Correct. it's been real sad. Well, okay, and then, and then in 2020, the Democratic Party shifted and they're like, like, okay, the, I agree with you, 2016, Bernie should have won. I'm yeah. on the side of in 2020, Bernie was not the right guy to take down Trump because he would have forced a lot of middle leaning Republicans that don't want to vote for Trump because they know he's not a good guy like Mitt Romney, not voting at all or voting for Trump to make sure Bernie doesn't go in because he's a bit more of a scary uh, that, that's guy to That's the heartbreaking guys. part, though, because I feel like he actually had a agenda for America that... Oh, made sense to me but it, you know? you're a left-leaning person so i'm saying like if you i'm i'm not i'm not arguing uh the validity or not validity of bernie's case i like bernie i'm talking about yeah. pure strategy how do no, we get no, trump yeah. out of power it's like biden barely won in 2020 yes and he was like and he so was middle 
That's what I mean. Yeah. He was, and he was the right person to beat him because he was so middle. Bernie would have lost that too, and Trump would have won. Trump would still be yes. ruling right now, and yeah, like yeah, it, I guess it just like this whole like eight years or whatever has kind of revealed how right leaning America is. <laughs> Yes. And it, it's well, like how been many, kind of depressing. I'd actually make the argument that how split America is and how there there's there's not a lot of moderate seas anymore. Like there's not a lot of like center aisle people. It's a lot of like deep right or deep left is what we're kinda of Right, going yeah. This. Mitt is now center aisle and yes. ten years ago he was like, Oh, I don't want this kooky guy in the White House. Yes. And it's like, oh, compared to where we're going, not even kooky. Well and <laughs> then and then now Biden is being painted as a very far left person. Because of the how the political spectrum has shifted generally in the country. Oh, but then he's still not doing like radical things he could be doing. Because he's not a radical. Like, he's a moderate. Like that's what he is. So, yeah. Anyways. So this movie. <laughs> so actually, I don't know. I have, a th- I have a theory on where the money came from. The budget money for yeah. this. So considering okay. the point of the movie, like there's a big argument in this movie about um, local labor and paying people fair wages in America. And not just, like, mm-hmm. harvesting out jobs. What if they just, like, hey, we're going to shoot on location and, like, not get the tax breaks or just, like, go and work with people locally? I was kind of wondering about the tax break stuff because I think it was shot in Louisiana. Yes. But and a lot of movies don't get shot there. And parts of North Carolina where it's set. So perhaps, yeah, it's like, well, we're not going to advantageously choose Georgia because they're very yes. poli- like friendly to film investments or whatever. Yeah. We're going to pay Americans more or something, maybe. But but that's that's either being... way. It's such a like not splashy looking movie <laughs> most of the time that I when I heard that figure after it, I was like, that movie cost more than the action movie I just saw last week with like car explosions <laughs> and the rock and everything. And it was how did that in happen? New York City? Like that movie was yeah. filmed in New York, but again, New York is a friendly city. But um, yeah, no, it's it's nuts. It's it is nuts. Ninety five is a crazy number for the movie we just saw. So yeah, have you seen? You haven't seen this before. No, this was my first time seeing any cut of it, which kind of weird. I saw the longer cut, but I'm assuming either way, it's R-rated. <laughs> yeah, right? yeah, it's because like cussy. <laughs> like it's like last cussy. week, I was kind of like, is is this like this kind of on the edge? Other guys, this could be PG thirteen. There's the snake bite scene in this, and I was like, this is an R-rated movie. Like, <laughs> like well, no, it was like probably the phone message already made me think, but they could have yeah. had a more explicit version for my extended cut. No, I, just your audio. extended cut is just extra scenes. You know the scene where the police officer pulls over Will Ferrell? Yeah, yeah. You have the, an extended sequence there that I don't have. Oh, does he not drive away? He does, but it's just, uh, there's a little bit extra with him um, drug testing, I believe. Oh, okay. He does eventually. Yeah, there, there's a little bit where he he talks about like, yeah, I had like six small batch bourbons. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's and then he stuff. runs away. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, okay, I'm actually I'm interested on your what you thought of this film. Ah, uh, I don't know. I think I I wanted to like it, but it it kind of didn't feel cynical enough. <laughs> you know, like it didn't have. Like it all, like the ending seemed too warm and fuzzy for me to like be fully on board compared to last week's ending where it's like, yeah, no, nothing happened. Uh, the Lendl Corporation just got billions of dollars from the government and we're all doomed kind of thing. Like it has that. Oh, little... you're like, because the Koch brothers got called out and it actually worked type. Of... And Sorry. actually like might no, go no, to not court the or brothers. something. What are they called? The, Ma- the, the Mach, Mach brothers. Mo- Mach brothers. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So, like, hey, but you got your two fe- two of your favorite people hanging out with each other on screen. Barely, though. Like, two oh times goodness. in the movie. Oh, my goodness. It's 90 minutes. There's no time for anybody. I know, you know but like, I mean? you got to be happy with what you get, man. How many times were you ever, in your life would you be like, no, Dan Eckert and John Lithgow need to hang out more? Yeah, they should carry My Fellow Americans, too, and that should come out. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Dan's an Academy Award-nominated man. He's a big deal. Sorry, what did he get it nominated for? Uh, Driving Miss Daisy. He was the son. He got nominated actor. as yeah. a Best Supporting Actor for Driving Miss Daisy? Sure did. One of the black yeah. eyes of the Academy Awards? Up there with Crash? As just like, oof, we made a mistake. I, it's definitely up. dated in a weird way, but I don't... Was Do the Right Thing even nominated for picture? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> or maybe it was director. It didn't even have a nomination. Something weird. But okay. Uh, I don't know. I, I felt this was a little tame and yeah. low-key in a way 100%. nowadays. Because politics there's... has gotten so much more toxic. Yeah. It oh, seems yeah. like weird how... this low, like The like, fact that you said this was a political parody, I was like, oh no, this is a Will Ferrell movie that has political jokes in it. I feel like the super PAC stuff is what they're trying to highlight. You know, like it has a political agenda of like, this is crazy. Like it doesn't matter which party you care about. They can be funded by like billionaires and it's free speech because they're just allowed to. Well, and that's what the billionaires are showing you because the billionaires flip and they don't care if it's Democratic or, or Republicans. They flip throughout the movie. Yeah. They just want a representative in their pocket kind of so thing. Let's, they don't care who it is yeah let's kick i guess you should so, say what the story of so this cam, movie is i was talking about politics in general so senator congressman cam brady is the he's seeking his third election third re-election into uh be a congressman again in his area i can't remember i couldn't tell you what the area is called it's the 14th district of north carolina which there does not exist but it's which hammond is, a, is the center hammond's the urban center. center he yeah. uh ha- runs unopposed like, he is one of those classic American... Like, watching this movie, you would think that this is like, oh, this is a hilarious setup. But it's like, actually, this is pretty common within the American structure that, like, there are many congressmen and senators that run unopposed, and all they have to do to win is to sign their names to a ballot. It has changed a lot in recent years since this movie, but for a long okay. time before this, it used to be... The, there was a big story that came out in 2018 of, like, a bunch of, like, incumbent unopposed people that got grassroots people to oppose them and they won because like people were like, Oh, I just, I just have to go sign up and pay for this and I can run and people will probably yeah. vote for me because I'm the different person. Like I'm just another, I'm not just the like, same Oh, person. Hey, a fresh face. Some like, I don't love how things have been going. So maybe, yeah, yeah sure. That wind changed. So that did change, but there was for a long time, this was a very calm, like the 2012, this was a new piece of information that we were like, wait, what? Like, Michael Moore, I think, broke the top on this one for me in, like, 20, 2008 or something like that. Where it was just I like, feel there's been, like, last week tonight episodes and stuff, but it's usually smaller offices, but some of this still happens. It does still happen, Where it's just, happen, like, yeah. you know, a sheriff or something, and it's just, like, nobody ran against him, so he's just been here for a long time, and he's not very good, but nobody did anything. But, like, like apathy, last week, last week tonight's, like, a, what was it, like, 2015 onwards? 2014? 2013 onwards. What? When did last week tonight start? Oh, I don't know. Eight years ago, maybe. Yeah. So, I mean, like this is it's becoming more into like the public zone of understanding. But like 2012, this was not super well known. 
like or talked yeah, about. Yeah, and and the super PAC thing kind of started in 2010, I guess. There was like a ruling that was like, no, it's free speech. You can give a bunch of money to whomever. That's your right. And like they don't have to disclose where they got it. Mm-hmm. So these nonprofits are receiving millions from somebody and often well, for political ends, you know. Yeah. But yeah. So we get to know it's, Cam um we get to know Cam Brady. He is kind of foul mouthed and takes advantage of his <laughs> situation in life. He really uh-huh. likes women that aren't his wife. Um, in ways that he probably hasn't liked his wife in a long time. Uh, he has two children with his wife and Jason Sudeikis plays his campaign manager and they kind of like, they don't really care how things are going in the campaign. Like Cam doesn't really care how things are going in the campaign because in his mind, he shows up on that day to, to submit his application for nomination and he's a lock, like he's going to win. And that's right. he's gotten pretty complacent story. with this being a done deal. Yeah. Uh, but okay, so I'm trying to think how the Mach Brothers first start meddling here. I th- oh right, Cam has a scandal. <laughs> Cam he ha- has a scandal. <laughs> he uh, okay picks up a mistress in a porta potty. I guess they they decide. To yeah, he has a speech. He has a speech there, and this girl is at the speech and loves it. And then they go cut to him having sex with her in the porta potty, and her. Which being... I thought that would be the scandal, but it's sort of the follow up with that when he phones Jack McBrayer's family, their super conservative Christian family, sitting down for dinner, and the answering machine goes off, and he says horrible things. Well, it's so funny because with the wrong number, yeah, I he guess. calls the wrong number, and he's like talking to this who he thinks is this girl's place, is like. Next time I see you, you gotta try the we gotta try to look in each other's buttholes type of stuff like that type of language he's using. But he mm-hmm. still he signs off with like Cam Cam Brady twenty twelve. Like he's just like very clear. That this <laughs> I'm gonna is, tell you who I am. <laughs> no, and he's like missing and it. So his his sign offs even on private phone calls to his mistresses, he's still saying his full name and that he's running for office in twenty twelve. <laughs> And I think he keeps saying like Cambridge O twelve, yeah. which is just an odd way to say it. From I don't remember people doing that, but yeah. maybe that happened. Um, uh, but okay, so this family reports this this scandalous phone call, and it's starting to make waves like bad bad press. So the Mach brothers get cold feet of backing Cam, and decide to go through their Rolodex, I guess, and find someone affiliated with their pool of people yeah. that could be a candidate. And some wealthy associate of theirs, Brian Cox's character, has a son named Marty, and they decide he's good enough and he will be their because their Marty's candidate. Marty's brother, who's is more popular and more of a Weasley, he can't because he's in trouble with the law, right, or something like that. I I, I guess there must have been some justification why they didn't go with his brother because I was like, his brother seems like all the dumb qualities they would want, but yeah. apparently not. They go with the weirdo. <laughs> Uh, Marty. With Marty, Marty playing this is and this is Zach Galifianakis, and he's playing uh, he's playing a Seth ki- Seth yeah he's essentially playing Seth Galifianakis version of a character he has as Marty which is Huggins. this like meek timid version or whatever yeah like, like soft spoken kind of like yeah sweet hearted but kind of like doofusy out out of it out of touch like he's got his pugs and his sweater and his fanny pack and he's just walking to his job giving tours of hammond or whatever the best and- example of this is there's a night so hit 
I'm going to skip ahead just a little bit for this gag. He's hanging out with his family and they're like, we, we just want to cut loose and, and have a really fun night together. And their fun night is like just a bunch of candy and dancing with each other and like smiling and just holding their pugs and smiling as they dance. And it's like my favorite part of their <laughs> night, like fun night was them having like a nerf battle. And I was like, that's sort of wholesome and fun. Like we're just going to have a nerf battle yeah. with our kids after eating a bunch of Twinkies. And <laughs> yeah, candy. Exactly. So it was, it's like, yeah, he's playing a pretty soft, gentle, but like when you think, politicians and when you get to know cam brady he's kind of a snake he's kind of like pretty aggressive and that like match between will ferrell and zach is what i really like about this movie of like will's kind of like just the worst human being in this movie and marty is the nicest human being and they have to like fight each other to get to this to get to this member to this congress seat and Mm -hmm. slightly before we get to like that battle i guess like the political battle of the movie like, I enjoyed that Cam is trying to justify his, like, lewd phone call with this press conference. <laughs> He's like, listen, like, maybe 1% of my phone calls have been totally lewd and inappropriate, yeah. okay? And if I've taken so thousands- let's think, how much is that? Like, I've probably made 100,000 phone calls in my life, so only a 1,000 of them have been totally inappropriate and disgusting. I'll take those disgusting. odds any day. <laughs> A mere thousand. And it's like, he keeps like saying the number, not the percent. And it's just like, this sounds so awful. Like a thousand of your phone calls have been of this nature. He would take those odds any day is what he says too. He's like, I'll take those odds every day. Also, there's a quick cut where he's like, hey, also the moment that they plugged their phone line into the wall, they became consenting adults. And what person has an answering machine in 2012? (laughs) Yeah. Like they have an old timey tape recorded <laughs> yeah. answering machine. Yeah. So old timey, like nineteen ninety five. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I had one up until uh, twenty twelve. Twenty two? Like two thousand two? Two thousand two, sure, this century, but <laughs> it's still a bit the turn out of, of the century, but, yes. But yeah. Uh so okay, Brian Cox, I, I guess I was hopeful that he would be pretty fun too, because I like him a lot of times. He's kind of just there he's incidentally uh marty's dad they have a conversation about hunting and being i don't know like oh will you be proud of me dad and it's like probably not kind of thing (laughs) there's this one great line was like um he's talking to his son in the same scene and he's like son as you know i i don't like you very much so uh it's and he just like so matter-of-factly like business transaction Mm -hmm. as you know i don't like you very much it's but uh the Mach brothers phone me and they want you to be the candidate. It's like, oh great, I've I've wanted to be in politics forever. Like, yeah, Marty's very uh excited about the proposition. And initially starts just on his own recognizance. Like he goes he goes to sign up for the ballot. Uh and after he submitted his application, like which blows Cam's mind that there's anyone opposing him, uh the way he stands to like in front of the news cameras awkwardly, <laughs> like he just has his arms out. And just kind of looks so out of place yeah. and out of out of his element. And then he just kind of leaves. Like, I don't think he really answers any questions. He just kind of smiles and walks away. Well, uh, favorite, and has trouble with the door again. That's what I mean. That's so, a running thing. Yeah, is a running thing. So Cam's sitting there and then all of a sudden, like right before the the jury or the, the panels about to like confirm Cam as the only nomination, as the only candidate, yeah. the door, somebody's struggling to open this door and it's just a simple, like turn the knob, open door. But Cam's like, I mean, Marty cannot figure it out. And it's like, you got to push it. Oh, 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 oh I see. Okay. 
And then he comes in, and then as he leaves, he has the same problem. And then can't, everyone's just baffled by Marty. And it's, <laughs> I don't know, like, it's okay. Yeah. It's really weird to, to watch a movie with such, like, distinctly different versions of comedy happening. Because you do, like, I'm laughing at Cam, like, Marty's good-natured silliness that he's kind of going through. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, Will Ferrell is just having the cussiest of times. Like, he is cussing up a storm, looting it up yeah. all over the place. And it's, mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm having a good time, but it's like a weird mashup movie of, like, styles. It's a it's a bit of a weird mix, yeah. It's kind of like sweet and wholesome versus like bitter and like I don't know. Like he's he's been around the political block a few times and knows how harsh the game is or whatever. And he's like, "Welcome to the streets," kind of thing or whatever. There's this like scene. The trash talking scene is pretty yeah. pretty fun. It's their first like a uh, debate, uh, <laughs> and he's advised by uh, Tim Watley, like a uh, Dylan McDermott's character, Dylan McDermott to like haste. Just- you you gotta him. firmly handshake. Oh wait, what? Do you like Dylan McDermott? I was, I want to talk about this. He's my one of my least favorite actors. I I don't think I think he is just a inert. I don't really hate him, but he's he's doesn't bother me much. That's but yeah. Inert is the best word for it, and I'm just like that's that's why I don't like because I find him to just be a nothing sandwich. Mm-hmm. But anyways, mm-hmm. go ahead, sir. Yeah, this is a good gig. Uh yeah, so he he advises him to like firm handshake and then pull him in closer and talk some mess to him, like yes. really get in his head before this debate. <laughs> and this man is not equipped for doing that at all, so he's like <laughs> trying to do this. He drops it's the just, like, softest of softballs on him, and then Cam is just like, wait, like wait, are you trying to? Are you trying to trash talk me? And then Cam... I feel like his opening is just like, you go home and sleep on a cloud made of your own butt toots. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, you're trying to talk trash to me. And he's so much like fouler. No, no. And then he, he drops one that's so foul about his mom. And then he's like, okay, now you go. And then like Cam, like Marty is so flustered. <laughs> like, I don't, uh, uh, and he's like, okay, now my turn. And then he drops another one. All the while, they, this is when they're greeting each other on stage, hold, like shaking hands, and everyone's just yeah. sitting in the audience looking at them, waiting for them to start the debate, and this thing's happening. Like, all, all, all right, gentlemen, we need to start. They're just like kind of quietly fighting in yeah, the center and then of the Cam, stage. Cam tries to make Marty touch himself. Touch yeah. Cam. Yeah, a lot of macho posturing, I guess. Yeah. So, yeah, this that doesn't go well for Marty, but he ultimately wins the debate by just appealing better to the American, like the North Carolinians' he debuts, desire for jobs. He debuts his his uh his big like shtick, his platform. You bring I guess, your, right? you better bring. I'm gonna bring my broom because Washington's a mess, and that's his big like. Yeah, and that's he goes around slogan. with his. It's a mess. He's yeah. stump. He whenever he's stumping, he always has his uh, broom with him, type of thing. Mm-hmm. So. So Marty makes a big splash at this thing, becomes a totally viable candidate. He is being backed by this evil pair of brothers, uh, John Lithgow and Dan Aykroyd, who we alluded to. Uh, and uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to like the, so there's this moving timeline. There's like 60 days until the election and it's, we're counting down. We're getting closer and closer and things in the race keep, keep going on. But I, I don't know. It just kind of, like hit hit or miss with some of these gags. Like there oh, yeah. was stuff I I enjoyed here, but then there was other stuff I found just kind of like 
oddly angry. Maybe some of the the mixture of comedy clashings, like yeah. Cam's like meanness, is kind of like overwhelming the sweetness of of Marty. Sometimes for me, I wasn't. I well, because really Marty, enjoying some Marty's of it. going through. Uh, like as the campaign moves along, Marty's losing a little bit of his heart and soul because he has to do more and more evil, maniacal things to win. Well, yeah, like right after the uh, initial, I, I think it's after his submitting the application and kind of not doing great with the interview on TV and stuff. Like he goes home and there's this dude there, Tim Watley, like throwing away all of his stuff <laughs> and like reshaping him into the Republican ideal or whatever, no, which was kind of funny. Sorry, it yeah. wasn't that scene. It was the... So he goes and does the nomination bit, and then Cam invites him to a cordial brunch type of thing. Oh, yeah. That's where it happens. And so, the first, like, shot fired kind of thing. But it's not yeah. really. Like, it was a, Cam invites him to this brunch, and it's like this club. And he Cam puts on this get-to-know-Marty type of slideshow. But it's one of those – it's, like, all full of backhanded compliments. Like, he's he's making fun of Marty, but in that, like, like uh, passive-aggressive – like angry. Well, yeah. Like way. at the beginning of the brunch, he makes a statement about like we're just trying to get past the mudslinging and not do any of that. We're here to just inter- this is my friend here, Marty or whatever. Yeah. But then immediately his slideshow is full of like these. It's passive aggressive yeah, observations. It's like, it's like yeah. on the surface he's very cheerful and and did you know type about it, but he's very much like digging at Marty and making Marty feel like less of a person. Yeah, and then it felt once like he, mudslinging. Yeah, because once he sits down, you know? he turns over to Marty and says, welcome to the effing show. Like he's, yeah. he's like, welcome. And then that's so when... So Marty returns from that like to this crazy scene of them like replacing his dogs with dogs that poll better amongst Americans. A, a, go- a chocolate lab and a golden retriever. Yeah, these are always, better. More people like these. They always have to have bandanas on, so... <laughs> Yeah, like some of the material they give Dylan is okay, but it's just him being the delivery mechanism for it. Sure. Uh, There's this movie had a lot of this, has some pretty solid cameo pieces in it throughout mm-hmm. that I was enjoying. He's just not one of them. Like you got Thomas Middleditch in this movie. You got Brian Cox. You got uh, off the. Well, I mean, obviously Dan Aykroyd and John Lithgow. I can't remember. I mean, McBrayer is the, the yeah, insulted Mac- family McBrayer or whatever. Type of thing. Yeah, so there's just yeah. some solid people. I just and then Dale McDermott shows up for a lot of it. Jason Sudeikis. Why did I forget him completely? Um, yeah, I mean Sudeikis and McDer- McDermott are kind of the opposite numbers of each other. Um, I guess I like that Sudeikis was there in a more substantial role than Nacho's Man or whatever yeah. from Semi Pro. Yeah. Like they they had some okay moments together. Probably my favorite stuff with him involved was when they're going through like campaign ads that <laughs> uh, Cam wants to put on. So like, hey, we're, we've been thinking we're going to lean into the affair with the mistress yeah. and really kind of flex it on everyone and show off how hot she is. That's a great yeah. idea to get over it. And then they watch this ad and Cam loves it. But then it's just like, all right, so a little bit of mixed news here. Men loved it. They thought it was great. Pulled through the roof. Women hated it. Hated it, worst in the history of numbers, <laughs> like, or something. It's just like, oh, okay. Like, like, this was this was all before uh, Cam was running against anyone. So they're running campaign ads before he was running against Marty. No, well, th- these. Oh, that one is like kind of an image restoring one. Yes, yeah. type of thing. It there's, wasn't. There's the other ad that like insinuates anyone with facial hair probably has yes. something. To that's do when with he Al-Qaeda. starts to. Yeah, that's when he starts to take down Marty as the he associates facial hair with Al Qaeda. 
And then they start these practical joke things on each other. Now, okay, what starts off Will Ferrell going after Marty's wife? Oh, Marty! Marty's campaign has an ad where they exploit the fact that Cam's a very absent dad, and he meets up with Cam's son at a carnival, like a, at a fair or something, and just is very fatherly to him and very polite to him, and is like, hey, you can call me dad if you want, like, it's okay, and then he does call him dad, and that just pisses Cam off so much. Oh, because it's so such then- a petty, because you can tell they're, they're filming from behind a bush, and in the middle of this like candid conversation with this kid, he turns, he turns and he's like, and looks right at the camera. Hi, Marty and Huggins, says, like, Marty I regrettably endorsed this message, and it's like, yeah, this is yeah. low, Marty. And then yeah, and then and then yeah, Cam goes on this like, you're gonna you're gonna mess with my son, I'm gonna f your wife, and then he f's his wife. So I I I hated that part honestly. Sure. Like 100%. I know cuckoldry is like comedy staple. I was thinking like Canterbury Tales, like a thousand years old, and it has that in it. So this is fair ground. I just don't think it's very funny. And it, it sure. kind of took the Mitzi character in a weird direction that just didn't feel organic well, at all. Okay, so early into the thing, so this is something we skipped, a, a scene that I thought was pretty funny, but also like very edgy that I didn't quite sit with me well in a lot of some ways. So mm-hmm. um, Marty, he gets back from, this is the night where he gets back from uh, submitting his nomination paperwork. He's sitting at his table with his family, and he's like, okay, guys, everyone, just really serious for a second. Now, this is very important. There's going to be some media scrutiny on us, so let's – whatever secrets we have, we have to share them right now, and we all have to, like, like get these out in the open. And so then his one son, his youngest son, speaks up, and he says, I want – and he's like – and Marty's like, I won't get mad. I promise. And then his youngest son's like, well, one time I did say, uh, god damn – and Marty's drinking his drink, and he's like, he's very, very, like, you can see Ooh, in his face, he's very angry. I said I wouldn't get mad. I said I wouldn't get mad. <sighs> but then it like goes Like, he has off. to choke down a reaction to this, to this relatively minor thing. Like, yeah, it's like, I took the Lord's name in vain once at, like, the store or something. Yeah. I was like, <gasps> and he's like, oh. Okay, oh but wow, then okay. it so steeply dives off from there. It escalates so far from that. And it it's it's this thing I I don't know that has ever tickled my funny bone where it's like these little kids are saying awful things. Yeah. So then like, he goes to his oldest son. Kids say the darndest things kind of stuff and he goes ugh. to his oldest son and he's like one time I got the goat. The I, goat? I don't know that we can even say it. Like we're a PG show. No, this we're not going to say anything. He, he did some peanut butter stuff with the goat. And then the other kid was like, I one time inappropriately engaged with an adult. And it's just like, wait, what? This is, these are actual kid actors saying these words out loud. Yeah. It's just, it just struck me as like, nah, I, I didn't love it. Yeah. I, I, I thought that scene kind no, no, of. No, like, no, that's the scene that like, I'm, I'm not getting, but, but then this, this movie also has the scene with Will Ferrell in a church playing with snakes. And it's like, I'm laughing my butt off the entire time that that scene's happening. The, yeah, I, just to conclude the dinner scene, yeah, I sorry. guess it it's just it reminds me of seeing the Big Daddy trailer, you know, like where it's just like Adam Sandler is going to be inappropriate in front of kids. Isn't that funny? Yeah, kind of stuff. I feel like that's the kind of stuff I associate it with, and but I this never is found like, that this is one step amusing. one step further because with the Big Daddy, you can like do cutaway shots where like the kids never actually there on set. So he's just sure. like saying it. this is like the worst version. It's like what if it's not Adam Sandler saying the terrible thing? It's the kids saying the terrible things. 
what what was that movie that uh like Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg wrote, and it was about like teens. Oh no, really it was about kids. It it's called Good Boys. And Good it's Boys. Like, yeah. It's like ten and eleven year olds. Yeah, that kind of struck me as like going in that zone too, and I had no real interest so, in that because I, I don't relate to that because I was I was a very like I we were saying last week like swears were the nuclear option in my Christian circle at the time. Yes, like I said hell once in a mean way at school and felt really bad stuff like that because gotcha. it was just that has is how easy it was to go over the edge in that environment. So, so I did I didn't relate to oh you remember when you were ten and you were cursing it up it's like <laughs> no not at all uh I I did see Good Boys and I will say it's different because the whole movie like in the context of the whole movie the kids are swearing terribly like it's one of those situations where I remember being twelve and trying to swear with my friends because I swore like you're trying them on for the first time and it was thing, like right? I didn't know what what things were and then any of the gross things happening to the kids the kids are playing dumb like they don't know what this is and that's the gag. Whereas in mm-hmm. this movie, the gag is that the kids are engaging in incredibly inappropriate activities. Right. I, I guess this is kind of balanced with like a Cam's family dinner scene uh, where the, this joke could be constructed without actually having the kids do anything weird. It's yes. like, hey, hey, kids, your mom and I are going to have like some pretty spicy conversation right now. Put on your headphones and, and zone out for a little bit. OK. Yeah. And then his, like Cam's wife and him are having a mildly cursy argument. Yes. But then the songs that both <laughs> kids are listening to is this like really explicit <laughs> rap song. And it's like. Oh, what they're listening to to not hear the curses is way worse than anything. I know, these two and it, that is a funny saying. gag because and again, you could just do it in ADR. Like those kids yes. don't have to listen to anything for they that. They have to have the to bob their head to a to a beat, right? That's right. what I mean. Like whereas, like with not uh, not that I'm saying like kids should be protected so much from like no, 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 no. minor language. Like they're probably not. No, but, but this is what yeah. I mean. Like uh, the difference between like good boys, good boys is like these kids are oblivious to the things happening around them. Like in story wise. Like they don't mm-hmm. know about what they're saying or how what they're trying to talk about or the jokes that they're making because it's that's like the obliviousness of being a twelve year old. Like I remember making an explicit joke using uh, a cuss word that I don't appreciate at all, but I didn't understand the cuss word and what it meant. But I used this right. Cuss yeah, word. you just hear jokes that are beyond your years and understanding, yes. and just parrot them. And it's like, do you know what you're saying? Exactly. Or talking about? And it's like I don't. I don't have any context. I just saw like dudes in predator say this and laugh a lot hundred <laughs> percent so i'm telling you this joke. exactly you know? that is exactly what happened and that's what i feel like the movie good boys is about where they're just like parroting or trying to be older than they're supposed to be in this okay. movie the gag is unsettling because these two young kids aren't talking are, are talking about experiences they've actually had yeah, no, it, it, stuff like that was kind of yeah. polluting the the Marty part of the story a little bit. Oh, sure. And then, yeah, they, they do go further in that direction with the, like, affair, I guess, with Cam and Mitzi. Yeah. Which just, it just didn't, it didn't strike me as, like, this is so crazy and funny. It was just, this is just unpleasant and mean from, like, Cam's side of the thing, which I guess is his game plan. That's how he is, but... I found him threatening to do it and talking about it with Sudeikis was more funny because there's people around to like be like, this is a terrible idea for the campaign. Like, what are you talking about? Yeah. But then when it's just like, no, he's just going to go off and do that. And it's like, all right, like that'll fill five minutes or something. But it just didn't seem worth the trade. Uh, So, yeah, L- little things like that kind of ratting up. But OK, 
The yeah. snake scene I appreciated because it it did it, well. Okay, it did two things. I don't know. <laughs> it had the most explicit cursing in the whole movie, uh, which was like, oh, this is an R-rated movie. Okay, there's no way he could have said any of that without this tipping the line. Yeah. Uh, his arm gets like crazy <laughs> swollen. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's huge, and you start to see this happening when he's just running through the woods. So no, no, like this he is, breaks okay. through the window. That yeah. is uh. My movie only has him in the church and then cut to the hospital. Oh, wow. Okay. That sucks because I actually did love this follow-up gag. I with know this gag family. and it's, it's a good gag. So I was like... Yeah, yeah. Uh, he smashes through the plate glass window at the church and runs off into the forest. <laughs> yes. And then you have Cam just like stumbling around and falling in mud and rolling around in mud for a while and then cut inside the same home of Jack McBrayer and his, his very Christian family or whatever. I keep saying that. I'm assuming because they were easily offended by stuff. Well, no, they were praying. They were praying to the Lord in the middle of their life. That's right. They were sitting down to pray for their meal. Yeah. Uh, so they're having a game night or having a conversation. They're just they're just sitting in, in their living room, and suddenly, like Hulk Cam breaks through the window, and is just rampaging in their house for no reason. <laughs> like I guess he's disoriented from the rattlesnake venom, but he just starts like intently smashing their shelves and like hitting things off of tables. And it, they're terrified once again by this like insane politician that has it out for them. It was an okay follow up on that joke. It was. Uh, and then then we cut to the hospital with his arm being even bigger. Yes. And I, my only hope there was like I kind of need the swelling to go down and like see that this is taken care of. But the movie doesn't really care at that point. So my body horror like fear of this thing was not like quelled in this movie. It just cuts to later and it's no longer an issue. Yeah. But I almost need like that was so awful looking. I need someone like don't worry this anti-venom will help the swelling or something. Just a moment for me to know it's going to be okay. But ugh, it looked gross to me. Can yeah. we briefly, briefly talk about the bonkersness that is like this snake taming ritual stuff that happens? Wh- yeah, what is? I know it's like, what? What is it? I know some. I've seen some footage of that in like there's a Mister Show bit where they make fun of this yeah. in like the nineties. But so there's this, is this a uh, real fringe part of Christianity somewhere? Well, it's like uh, it's like yeah, it's super fringe, uh, evangelical fringe where this is it's crazy they they believe that they can play around with snakes and it's a way of testing the spirits and testing the holy spirit that if you actually have the holy spirit the snake won't bite you and if you have the holy spirit and the snake does bite you it'll protect you from the venom okay and so regularly is this somehow the apostle paul's fault because like i feel that yeah, he so goes to this, an island there's this passage yeah. in mark no it's in it's in mark there's this passage in mark at the very end of the Gospel of Mark, that's contested because it shows up in later manuscripts than the earliest one doesn't have this. So when you read yeah. your Bible, it says like, hey, we're not sure, but we have to put a disclaimer on that like this might not be real. Because in it, Jesus in his great commission where he's like before he goes up to heaven is saying like, you'll be able to tame snakes in my name is what he says. Okay. D- doesn't the St. John's ambulance logo have snakes on Yeah, them, but that's got something to do. Staff? I think that has okay. something to do with like, um, yeah, like with folklore around stuff like that. Like, I'm, I don't think that has something to do with the same thing. 
Okay. But anyways, it's just, it's bonkers because it's like, that is a real part. And this is after a scene where Marty accuses Cam of not being able to know, he doesn't know the Lord's Prayer. And it's true. Oh he does boy, it. yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and uh, so he like, he convinces Cam to say the Lord's Prayer in front of a crowd. And he's like, okay, everyone bow your heads. And then he has Jason Sudeikis mime the actions like trying to pantomime words to him like he does the temptations somehow by like dancing or something yeah. and he immediately picks up that one but he's like well like, he also picks the other one like our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name your kingdom come he figured that one out pretty quickly too right but he gets hallowed wrong too like there's all sorts of amazing <laughs> like, mistakes that's in because this. the hallowed one he's just say he just says it wrong like he uh literally just says harrowed something harrowed, yeah. he does something wrong. he yeah. it's a pretty and then at the end he's like i know i didn't get it right but like the gist of it is correct i got the, like, the got the spirit of it right <laughs> it's like no anyways terrible and, and then it cuts to them like marty's at a at a synagogue hanging out with the jewish people and talking about yarmulkes yarmulkes oh yeah he says that <laughs> wrong yeah and then cut to cam hanging out with good old bunch of crazy christians with their snakes and mm -hmm. and he does get bit and then insists like no no like i i'm not poisoned it's a miracle <laughs> and then runs away so yeah there was some fun camera stuff too like i feel they had like one under his chin or something as <laughs> there's he's this great out. yeah because he's like he's like talking to jason sudeikis he's like no it's okay we're good i feel like i'm coping i feel like i'm coping what's the word he uses though he like he talks about like he feel like I feel like I'm like nobody can tell that I'm I'm sick like I'm I'm figuring like, it no, out. No, no, you look horrible. <laughs> you look horrible. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. really bad. It's like oh, no. we gotta get out of here. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I I there's I agree. Like there's definitely a lot of mean spiritedness to this movie. This is this kind of came out in an era of, of Will Ferrell where he kind of like more R-rated stuff was coming up of his. Like starting off with Step Brothers. There's this and like there's more cussy stuff that he was doing and I wasn't used. To the super cussy things. Because mm -hmm. old school was a little too cussy for me when it came out. Like a little too mean-spirited. Well, yeah, that that's Phillips the song. Todd Phillips kind of frat boy thing. Yeah. yeah. But Will was kind of like the soft guy of that bunch. Like he was like the... He wasn't making the cussy jokes. He was just being like a goofball. Hanging mm -hmm. out with William Sean Scott. Like Sean William Scott. And yeah, so this is like an era where I was like... I kind of had to... I remember being like having to adjust my like... Oh, this is a different Will Ferrell than I'm used to. Yeah, but it's. Still I find none of that stuff really bothered me in Semi Pro. Here, I I don't know if it's just the duplicitous nature of the politicians or how mean it gets with some of the stuff. It just didn't quite make me laugh the same way. Sure. I wasn't like, yeah, like I, I'll take the jive turkey scene a hundred times before anything in this really on that spectrum. Sure, I, and that's uh, the, that's what's nuts because like I. I will take this over top of anything in semi-pro. Okay. I'm laughing way more in this movie than I am in semi-pro. And mainly because this movie doesn't really work as a film sometimes because it's not really, it's just a series of gags. Whereas semi-pro, there's a lot of, I feel like there's a lot of lulls, like a lot of lag time where I'm like. It, it maybe cares more about parts of the story that aren't you're either on board or not i guess yeah this has the loose framing of just like we're getting close to election day this is obviously gonna end with election day and we'll see how that happens yeah and then we'll just have various like scandals and dumb things happen along the path kind of thing yeah. so yeah uh so one of the one of the things that goes really badly for cam and seemed almost insane how out of order it was to me uh he punches a baby uh <laughs> real hard 
And they do like the slow mo Keanu Reeves face kind of. No, they do. Yeah, ripple. Matrix Revolution. Like we see the baby's skin manipulate ripple. around Cam's or fist. like Fight Night Round Three kind of. Oh, just hit this baby, and th- that's like their first gag in this this pair of gags. I did enjoy Will's like trying to justify it to his his, uh, campaign manager of just like, hey, is anyone worried about my hand after hitting that iron like jaw of that baby? (laughs) Like he's trying to make it about him. Uh, it's it's like, a little sort I, I thought his campaign would be over after something like that. To you know? punching There's a baby? HD yeah. video on CNN <laughs> of him punching a baby. Ugh. Well, I, I think the so, commentators, yeah. even Wolf, like Wolf, like because you get a bunch of like real news real news, news personalities. Yeah, Wolf Blitzer's on there, and they all kind of like at it. They all don't. Doesn't one of them eventually make the comments? But like. You would think punching baby would end a career, but here we are. He's up in their polls or something like that. Like somebody makes a yeah. I think that. I think that made him go down. He was down like nine points. Yeah. The, the the thing that makes someone go up despite being awful is in retaliation for the cuckoldry stuff. Seth slash Marty. Marty like just shoots him at a hunting expedition. Yes. Like and not even like Dick Cheney style. Like they were out in the woods. No one really knows what went on. He just pulls up in a vehicle, <laughs> steps out, aims a hunting rifle at his leg, and shoots him. And, shoots and then him. that's it. And everyone just yeah. agrees it was kind of badass or deserved or yeah. something. He's like, because yeah, good that way ad to, went out. Good way to go yeah. up in the polls and just shoot somebody. Yeah, that's right. Just shoot your opponent in the <laughs> leg. So parts of the campaignery still seem over the top even today. Yes. Like that moment, some of the Al Qaeda stuff. I actually love that one because it ends with this kind of garbage chicken shit reasoning that does happen in real political stuff. Hey, I'm just asking questions. Like, I just think there's a lot of questions around my candidate. And it's just like, these are all false premise, like false garbage questions. There's a premise around this because... Because genuinely in 2007, 2008... Bad faith argument kind of stuff, right? Yeah, when 2007, when 2008, when Obama was running, like, there was, like, legit, like, people being, like, like, his, like, his weaker opponents, because not not John McCain, would be, like, hey, like, where's that guy born? Where's he from? Like, he, his birth... Yeah, I want to see that. I need an HD scan of that birth certificate. Yeah, and then that's when you get, like... That's when, again, you get John McCain, who's just, like, a Republican... Who's just kind of looks like a saint because he like shuts down. He's like, no, we're not talking about that nonsense. But that's not. Yeah, often- no, like, yeah, there was that thing where someone's like, hey, he's an Arab. And it's like, whoa, OK, that's not true. Yeah. Like, why would you say that kind yeah. of stuff? Like, and that's traitorous now to the current <laughs> Republican Party to be that moderate and even headed. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Now it's know? like a hundred percent. Maybe, to say maybe that's some want. of the stuff I feel like the past decade has beaten some of the comedy out of this for me. Cause like social media stuff is such a major political like quagmire now. So like misinformation and all that. And this doesn't get into anything like that really. You the know? four years it's, that we, no, no, I totally agree. Like the four years we had Donald Trump as a, as a president, he would often say something, insinuate something like, but he wouldn't even insinuate. He would just say it. That would get all the news coverage, and then when he apologized or retracted it later, it would get zero news coverage. Or or he just characterized it as like, no, obviously I was joking. I don't want people to inject themselves with bleach. And it's like, 
the way you said that and the inflections on your speech did not make that and it, like and you weren't saying it in a jokey way. Well, you know? and once again, that second part where he would say I'm joking would got, get nowhere near the amount of news coverage. So it was essentially like the only news you heard was Donald Trump says inject yourself with ivervectum and ivervectum and not the second piece where he says, oh, I mean, like, obviously, if your doctor says it's okay, like, those are not how information shared. So I don't want to get too wading into that awful time, (laughs) but (laughs) that we're still living. But yeah, there's stuff here where it's like, I guess, like. Obama would tweet sometimes, but it, like the Twitter president hadn't happened yet. No. So it wouldn't be the kind of same level of like, oh, we're looking at this this social media data about what you just said. It was kind of, it's more like tied to the conventional news cycle yeah. time frame of just like, oh, this video went up and is making a big splash on TV because people watched it on TV at the sports pub or whatever. It's just like, well, I don't know that that would have the impact anymore, you know? I mean, except but, for... There's this crazy stat about how, like, Fox News Network has some of the highest ratings out of every single other TV because people will literally just have Fox News on all day long at their house. Like, that's the only thing they watch is Fox News, and they will keep it on and never turn off their TV. Well, I mean, like we were saying, we're like uh, Anchorman 2 is sort of about that sort of evolution of yes. the news cycle going into, like, 24 hours nonstop coverage, whether or not it makes any sense to have it on. Yeah. It it is there, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I, don't, I hear what you mean. Like, it makes sense. I, it makes sense now that hearing you say like that some of the like the humor has been taken out of it because the stuff that they're making fun of in this movie are turned into a real life parody. But it's a real life parody we have to live rather than watch and sit back from. Like, I feel like some of the starch got taken out of South Park sales in recent years too, because it's just like reality is almost more absurd than what I'm seeing. Yeah. So it's hard to like out riff the news, you know, even with their short production cycle of two weeks, it's like hard for them to stay ahead of the madness. So they've essentially said, said the same. So yeah, this being a decade old, like it, it's not quite as like insane and out of touch as like Mr. Smith goes to Washington, yeah. but the ending here still felt like it had a bit of that like rosy cheeked shine and like, yeah, at the end, it's like, I don't believe this would happen at all. No. Like Cam steps down after Winning. the campaign where he wins. Yeah. Uh, but then it's like, how did he win? Cause like Marty went on and had this very sincere ad that was super transparent about this awful scheme. The Motch brothers have, to insource their doll factory and like put it in the heart of North Carolina, but bring in like Chinese labor and low safety standards. Like who would want that? And then it's like, well, despite that, he's still lost by a landslide somehow. Oh, corrupt voting equipment, (laughs) which uh, I felt like that gag like that reveal of like Mach equipment or whatever at the bottom of the voting machine also struck me as weird. Cause like the president most recently associated with like, it was all rigged. I actually won was Donald Trump. So well, no, but even in 2016, there was like rigging uh, things I costed at Donald Trump too. Mm-hmm. So like, it's been oh, like foreign inter like foreign intervention and stuff like into the election in 2016 and in 2020. But 
and, two different and there sites. was a there's there's been like reports and things on the voting machines and like i don't think we have voting machines here do we in canada like, I've, you voted with a piece of paper in the last election right i always have voted with a piece of paper yeah for like saying, 20 like, years like, yeah we it's whether you're mailing or in person you get a piece of paper you get a pencil and you mark off slots but but we're also a nation of 35 million which means only like 15 million people vote whereas they're a nation of 450 million where 150 250 million people vote right yeah i guess it becomes untenable at some point but sorry i guess i just aged myself like four years <laughs> 16 years of voting that i could have participated in yeah uh but regardless yeah it it's kind of the insinuation that like no matter how the Mach brothers play it like they have the deck stacked or whatever like yes. was kind of okay there's some of that cynical edge or whatever but them actually getting pinned to the wall at the end felt like hopelessly optimistic in a way yes to me, you 100%. know like capra wishful wishful thinking Be- oh the-, the bad guys got theirs they got served a subpoena and they actually went th- to court and like the movie does state that a lot of the things they did aren't illegal which is at least a bit of that like nope this is a serious problem and it has not been solved this movie can't pretend it's not like the super packs and everything yep. but it does say like hey but you did hire the greek butcher aka dermot mall rooney which i thought was a pretty funny gag that like snuck past me in a way because i do mistake dylan mcdermott and dermot mall rooney yes so i actually thought they named the actor in that scene and then no it's like, like no, it was, that's the bit no i know it was pretty great because they, they gave off a bunch of lists of names, aliases and it was yeah. like dermot mall rooney it's like dylan Mc, if there's a there's a gag somewhere else that says wait it, no, there's a gag from Saturday Night Live. There's a whole like, do you know how Saturday Night Live does like their unique game shows? They did one where it was like, is it Dylan McDermott or Dermot Mulrooney? And then they have like, they have two actors out, and it was I think Dermot Mulrooney was actually there or something like that, and it was like okay, and, they, okay. and, and black people couldn't tell the difference. It was the joke type of thing or just like who was in what kind of thing no or it was just... just like that was it it was just two people and it was like is this dylan mcdermott <laughs> or dermot mulrooney and it was like oh no and it was like dermot mulrooney came out and it was like ah, ah. i don't know who that is <laughs> yeah. is that dylan yeah yeah no but this is a real like mental no i know d- sorting thing i've done before and did during the scene yeah <laughs> like i thought they named the actor but either way tim watley is like the reason the coke brothers yes essentially yeah, they, yeah, they came uh, up with a convenient convicted. reason that, that sadly can't relate to real life because the Koch brothers are still very much in power and have control. But the problem is that like it, it sucks for the Koch brothers now because super PACs are less pop- popular and powerful because the Republican – like Trump ran away with the Republican Party. Like the Koch brothers wanted an, a lackey stooge in power and Trump kind of was just like – He's was the real Achilles heels to the whole thing because he just ran away and the whole entire world has upended now because there's mm. like what we how we thought the structures worked no longer worked that way. One one of them did die during his term, so I'm David, I think. Okay. So there's only one remaining like industry captain Coke brother. But yeah. Uh, okay. I mean, I don't follow, follow up bit on the baby punching. Yeah. Cam also punches a puppy, like a a dog. Yeah, that's uh, that's a extended cut as well. Oh, okay. Because the order of this gag in the version I saw was just like, 
I feel like punching a baby is so much crazier than punching the dog from the artist. Yeah. Which seems like oh, such a no, no, that time was stamped too. 2012. That was in mine too. The dog from the okay. artist was in mine too. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. But it's just the fact that he keeps punching the wrong thing is just. I know. It just seems like the escalation would be like the worst thing you could possibly do is punch a baby, and punching a dog is bad, but. That that would be the first gag that happened. For sure, but they didn't do it For that sure. way. But I don't think they 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 didn't even like it, the buildup of the first gag was smarter in my brain, and it was just that Cam kept punching things. Like that's his solution is to punch mm-hmm. a dog type of thing to take a wild swing at Marty and yeah. miss several times. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Um. Hmm. I think I've basically said all of what i had here other than like maybe just the observation about seth versus zach galifianakis kind of thing like i don't know if i would have preferred him like change more to be more zach like as the campaign corrupts him or something like that i just felt like the timid sweet sweater wearing pug enthusiast guy kind of wasn't making me laugh all that much past a point kind of thing you know? sure yeah that makes sense i, did, I don't think it would have made sense because zach like the, the zach character is just is also kind of dim-witted but like got a harder edge to him but he's he's really dim-witted like when you watch between two ferns like that's zach alfanakis and it's like he's trying to be un- underhanded and like mean with his jokes but oftentimes his guests have better retorts than he does yeah i get. i guess just Maybe that kind of him getting more underhanded and like the political machine changing him. But at the end of it all, he does just become kind of this like integrity guy. Like the the movie makes this kind of decision to have Cam say, you know what? I did accept this awful deal from the Mach Brothers and I, I made a mistake. Like th- they almost have an effective story kernel thing with like the rusty slide thing. Yeah. They just kind of lean way overboard yeah. with how much it hurt uh, Marty as a kid. Yeah. Um. But there's this thing where like the first political thing Cam ever ran for was class president. And his platform was this slide is terrible. It's like rusty and jagged and hurts everyone who goes on it. Yeah. We need to take down this jungle gym. And like Marty as a grade four kid or whatever was like inspired by that and did vote for him and was yeah, part yeah, of this yeah. thing. Yeah. And he reminds him of that after he's lost this election and it changes Cam's heart, I guess, and just makes him realize like, wow, I really sold out or whatever. Like it's the thing that makes him tip over. Uh, and then he steps down. I feel like I felt like in the moment and like after reading about it, like this is what would happen. If that were to happen, there would be like a by-election. <laughs> Like, they have to do it again, but yes. the movie just shortcuts it to just be like, all right, the only other person who was in the race, therefore, defaults well, to become Are there by-elections? The by-elections exist in our, in our like, political system. Do they exist in the American political system? I, I think there there was something on, like, the goofs section of IMDb that says he would need to, like, reapply. Yeah. Like, That's they'd right. have to do something to recertify him. It wouldn't be just as, like, well, I guess I'm the only one here. I step in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But whatever. Okay. They, it's an 85-minute movie or whatever. They need to get to the end. So that then Cam and him team up, and, like, Cam is his chief of staff, and then they have this, like, Senate hearing thing with uh, the Mach brothers. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, yeah that, that's how we wrap it up. 
and that's a closing credit scene. So that's it. Yeah. I waited till the end. I don't think there was anything. So no. that was the campaign. <laughs> uh, MVPs time. Yeah, great. Uh, well, you went first, right? So, I mean, you did the sh- to share the summary. So it's my turn to go that's first. That's right. Uh, I mean, this is a movie where I would have given Will the MVP because I was laughing more at him than I was laughing at anybody else. But I also really liked Zach. Um, I, a couple scenes like popped in my mind where I was like, I always remember laughing pretty hard was when he, like, again, like his son tells him that he, he used the Lord's name in vain and how angry he is, but he's about to hear some pretty terrible things. But that, that scene or his fun night with his party with his family. And he's just so happy to be dancing in circles and like holding the pugs up and stuff like that. It'd be very, yeah. Like, yeah. Like I, there's a dopiness to it that I'm like, Oh, okay. There's this silliness to Zach's humor sometimes that, that I appreciate. And then I also was just like, Oh, I kind of miss Zach. Like what is, what does he do now? Yeah. I mean, between the two ferns, the movie was probably the last thing I remember seeing. Like I know he did um, baskets. Baskets was a, popular movie for a while there and bored to death was i mean popular popular tv show yeah yeah i did several seasons of that and then i guess voicing the joker and lego batman yeah yeah that was him too yeah i just feel like he doesn't he's kind of like i don't know doesn't seem to be working too much lately but just too bad because i i generally like him i mean i don't know how much evidence there is for that because i kind of like one of the hangover movies and his other one due date was like not very good but i liked between the two ferns like a lot like i really like those segments and that movie was pretty fun i guess i i do like that like between two ferns kind of pretends not much time has gone past for years yeah. you know like it'll just be like like the one joke i really enjoyed was like john ham comes back to get his keys but it <laughs> it's like that that was like four years ago or something. Like he just kind of ducks in. Yeah, I generally like Zach. I also went with Zach, uh, mostly because he's the other half of this movie, and no mm-hmm. one, none of the minor players really get enough time to really make a make a, their voice heard or whatever. Exactly. Because Jason... like I didn't, I didn't mind Mitzi. Uh, oh yes. There, there was this character we didn't even talk about that. At least like, I think it was like I kind of like this, and I wish it was in there more. Brian Cox has this maid that he pays to affect like a black stereotype, but she's this Asian woman. Yeah. Uh, and like her and Marty have kind of a little conversation. It's like, I don't know, man, like he pays me $50 more to do this. So fine, I'll do it. But, yeah. bleh, <laughs> you know, and then she does like, you know, talking about catfish and whatever. And then at the end, I swear she's doing like a Spanish character when she <laughs> serves the subpoena. Like I was like, oh, did they get Rosie Perez to do a cameo because they talked about her earlier? And then she's like, no, it's just the same Asian woman is on yeah. the other side of this door. And she hands the subpoena. I like to that Nathan the... would have been totally sought to be like, whoa, maybe Rosie Perez is on the other side of this door. I'm going to open the door. Oh, I got served like that. I, yeah, I would have gotten duped too. Like, <laughs> wow, Rosie Perez is visiting. <laughs> Uh, so I kind of like that character and almost wish they folded her into like she overheard the Mach Brothers scheming at Brian Cox's house or something. Sure. Or, like yeah. have something else for her, but she doesn't really get to do that. No, she doesn't. So just in total with like the odd posture he chooses sometimes and like the weird sweaters and how much he loves his pugs. Like there's there's things that are sweet and fun about his character here. So I I did like like him in general. So yeah. 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 yeah, I was. I mean, Jason, Jason Sudeikis is a guy I generally kind of just always really like, but he just didn't get much to do. 
he kind of leaves for a juncture here too. Yeah. Like at some point he kind of quits Cam's campaign yeah. and just goes away. And then like kind of rejoins with him after the thing is wrapped up or whatever, yeah. like at the party or something. Uh, but like, so he had potential to, but I just didn't feel they gave him too many killer bits or whatever either. So it's such a short movie. Like, it's just like, there's not really time for anyone other than your two like major stars to take up spotlight so yeah i mean we didn't really ever talk about jay roach either huh of uh, austin powers fame i his career is weird yeah like i was was kind of looking at like he has some really mean-spirited stuff in there like because he did uh meet the parents right oh is i think he i think you're right i yeah that's why i was reading about him least recently dinner for schmucks a uh, trumbo like so, i feel he's tried to go in a dramatic direction lately because he did and bombshell kind of, and trumbo yeah yeah oh but like he so like there's this movie kind of has a mean-spirited tinge to it and i mean though it's not evident in the austin powers films um meet the parents and dinner with schmucks also have some pretty mean-spirited tendencies to it. I'm more forgiving mm-hmm. towards Dinner with Schmucks because the whole movie is about being mean-spirited and that's the lesson that everybody has to learn. But Meet the Parents is like... Right, like the person who's the butt of the joke finds that out yes. and there's kind of thought about it at the end of that 100%. story. So, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, but then Meet the Parents is like... When I watch Meet the Parents, I never found it funny. I just found it exhausting because I was like, everyone I, is so I kind of don't know what happened with that movie because I remember kind of hating it, but watching it like five times. <laughs> I don't know why I did that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it's but, just like, oh, maybe it'll be better this time. And it's just like, so no, just everybody's him. lying and being really crappy to each other. And it's like, yeah. great. And then his and name I've is only Gaylord. seen that one. I never saw the sequels. So. His name is like Gaylord and like. Everyone makes fun of him for it. I was like, these are adults. And for being a nurse and stuff. And it's like, like these are all adults, this kind of emasculating yeah. stuff with him. And it's like, he seems like a totally good guy. Just everyone else is a total piece of crap. Yeah. But yet he wants to impress these people for some I know. reason. Like, it, it's well, because he loves the daughter. And I think that's that was important. Like, he's just, he sees it as an in. Yeah. I And yeah. then the fact that they made three films out of this franchise is exhausting to me, too. Like, I'm. Yeah. 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 No, I I don't especially have affinity for Jay Roach. No, I, like I if he of... stuck, if it was just Austin Powers one and two, I'd be like, yeah, Jay Roach. But mm-hmm. he he went and made the meet the meet the parents films. So, uh, so yep, Seth Galifianakis, uh, aka Zach, uh, he's he's pretty sharp in this, and I, yeah, that that's the campaign. Uh, question time. Well, you, you had something. This was our to... last uh, Will Ferrell film too, right? So we're good to. We're not going to, I guess mm-hmm. we we'll talk about that at the wrap up, right? Oh yeah, no, we'll tease up what, what's going on next time. Okay. Uh, yes, question time. Uh, going on last week's conversation around sports, I wanted, to, I was going to ask this one during question time, but then we were like, we had that really long intro on sports. We kind of used up our sports quota last time, which is hilarious because that like just went up and so much has transpired in both of those series <laughs> since yes. then. Yeah. So we just sound like hopelessly out of touch with what's going on. <laughs> but whatever. But I mean, like uh, this is uh this is a good out. this is a good conversation because they can like it can help us. We can point to the past and sometimes recent past, but like with the hope that like we're not going to sound out of touch because it's just like hey, this kind of sucks. My question is like, what what are your thoughts on on officiating in the realms of sports in the last couple of years? 
I mean, I've only really been intently watching basketball uh, for the last like four or five years. Um, and I feel the league is trying to incorporate stuff like video replays and whatever with like the challenge system. So it's like, hey, that was not what happened. That was a terrible observation. Take another look at that. That at least can happen like once per team per game, which is better than zero times. But there's kind of been this thing of like, well, if you win the challenge, you should get to challenge again. Is that kind that of is a, that's tweak. a recent thing that I, that was uh, brought up by a, a commentator, Jeff Van Gundy, being like, like if you win a challenge, that means you were right, and therefore you should reserve your challenge and not lose a timeout too, because. Sure, because there might be something else minor that's that's happens later, like an out of bounds call or yeah. something that you would also like to review. It's sort of nonsense too, because they used to have in the last two minutes of any game, uh, all sorts of stuff could be reviewed, but they've since gotten rid of that because they have the challenge system. Yeah. So it's just like, hey, that was a kind of dicey out of bounds call. Well, too bad because this team's out of timeout, so they can't. Well, and this is where you'll see it. you'll see players like doing the spinning hand, like spinning finger in the first quarter, and it's like no one's gonna call for a challenge in the first quarter because. Yeah, you get heated players insisting they didn't didn't do something, and then in like slow mo from several angles, they're like, "Yeah, you kind of got his wrist though, so I wouldn't do that." You know, yeah, it's but kind they, of a waste at this. Whatever. But it's even even if it was like clear, it's still like first quarter. Like, why would you? I'm in a weird spot with some of this too, though, because I'm like never watching truly live games because I wait for them to be archived on League Pass. Yep. So yep. I would always prefer them to take as long as it takes to get it right. But that in the moment is insane because it's just like, man, this team had a ton of momentum and now we're sitting here for like five minutes looking at monitors and stuff. So, but I'm just like sitting there skipping forward because I don't yeah. need to watch it. But this know? is what um but this is what I'm trying to get at is like I understand what you're saying, but it's not necessarily like the liveness of things happening and like how refs can obviously miss stuff because human error is definitely gonna play a, a part in this. It's yeah. the um it's the statistics around some refing teams and some refing decisions that seem fascinating yeah. to me. So for example, recently I, I heard about there's this refing team that Chris Paul has like a lot of playoff run-ins with. Like there, there, there's a ref in particular named Scott Foster, uh, who is the head official for his his little team or whatever that has a, a like Chris Paul has an abysmal record against his officiating. Yeah. Essentially, like his tricks and his things to draw fouls and whatever, like. Scott doesn't go for those, it seems, and yeah. it, it doesn't it doesn't mesh at all. Uh, he he's probably the most hated official online like discussions. Teams are really mad. Well, isn't there the one official who's still working that like a lot of people like? There's a I remember about two or three years ago. This is a hot conversation. There's one official that was like as deeply tied up in like game fixing, and people were like there, certain. Okay. There's a documentary that's about to come out about a ref named Tim Donaghy. Yes. Uh, who is on the record saying stuff was corrupt. David Stern was telling him to fix games and like give teams advantages and like more free throws and things like things like this. But he's himself kind of a shady character in like gambling circles and whatever. Yes. So the league has said like that guy's not trustworthy. Like why would you even listen to that? But there's all sorts of stuff about like, yeah, but he he phoned Scott Foster like a bunch of times. Like, I think they're in cahoots or whatever. But Scott Foster is still officiating in yes. the league. So, yeah, anytime there's like a dicey call, 
that seems to be in that realm. Like Scott is one of the first names you're going to hear thrown around. Kane Fitzgerald also has like a history with the Dallas Mavericks a bit now because he mm-hmm. threw Kristaps Porzingis out of a playoff game a couple years ago and it seemed like kind of unwarranted. So there's names. If you know their names, it probably means they did something egregious. So otherwise they just blend in. And then like, I guess what I'm trying to, I'm not trying to say like, cause I know there's really great refs out there. Like you see the great refs. They're the ones that have long storied histories. They're well-spoken about, and all refs no, are good. no no one has issues with them. Right? Yeah, and all refs like the best mark. All refs yeah. make good calls, and all refs makes bad calls. Like that's just the way the game has to work because refs eyes like we still want to have this human trial first thing, and then go to potentially go to uh, cameras second because obviously we could always forever in baseball you could forever have a strike zone be set up by computer and know what everything is striked and not and and then then ump becomes completely unnecessary. My there there's some talk of that happening like minor leagues are doing that and I kind of wanted to bring up baseball separately. So if you want to finish some basketball thoughts and then we'll move over to baseball. Well, I was going to transition to baseball if that that works. Okay, because I think I think basketball from what I've seen, it just seems to be like if there's a stick like foul, like foul creation is a new strategy in the league that they kind of just shut down this last year. Um, well, the, they're they allegedly were trying to mitigate some of that stuff, like what is an offensive yes. like foul versus yeah. what is just like, yeah, like the foul baiting kind of stuff. 100%. Uh, like Luca recently did a great Harden-esque sort of nonsense move that got got a foul called in his favor. So it's still out there. It still totally is out like there. It. But they're trying to it. they're trying to dissuade from people from doing it because it does stop the momentum of a lot of games. And it slows down games and kind of makes them grindy, but I, I have a lot of patience when I'm watching a game anyway, so I'm not usually upset about that sure. stuff, but the but flow it, does get weird. But there are also yeah. a lot of people that are complaining about them because it's not like it's not in the spirit of basketball. It's a strategy that they came up with to take advantage of loopholes, and they're just trying to tighten those loopholes is really what it comes yeah. down to. Because a lot of the like discourse about it was be like, if you wouldn't call it on the playground, it shouldn't happen in the professional. Yeah. Like these are thing. not hard fouls. These are people that are like Harden. When you make that Harden thing, it's like Harden is throwing his arms in the shooting motion into somebody else's arms. And then kind of rope in people's yes. arms. Like, he was, he was attacking me. It's like, I think you were the guy yes. doing it. And so that's where the crafty. league is trying to like, they're just trying to tighten those loopholes where we can't take advantage of those for so long because there's many mm-hmm. careers made and like many points that have been made for people that have been taken advantage, learned to learn to play that way. And yeah, the league just doesn't want. Uh, a- yeah. Chris Paul actually had this, this more or less. Ha- okay. Chris, Chris, two things with Chris Paul though. There was a, a play in the Pelican series where he like kicked a a player in the nuts during a shot. And this was nothing happened during the game. It was a close game. Pelicans lost. After the game, it was like, okay, in hindsight, that was a that was a technical that was a flagrant. That was it's like great. That doesn't change anything now. No. Like that could have been a key possession slash free throw like even if you now added a point to the pelicans because you could like oh let's assume somebody was going to get that free throw that's not going to change this that's not going to change the score for them to win there are razor thin games like (laughs) one point victory games where it's just like a single call could have flipped that game yeah and like there was a dunk harden did in san antonio that got like it got waved off Mm -hmm. and it was like 
what? Well, and, and not even basket, just that, like, but the player, like the refs were on the other side of the court and it looked like it flipped up and bounced off, but it went through. Oh no, I remember this one. Yeah. Whipped the ball. Yes. Up, and it was like, that was a two point dunk. No, it wasn't. And then that game ended in like a tie going into overtime and the Spurs won. Yes. So it, it's just like that would have ended the game. Yeah. <laughs> like if you didn't, do I think. That. Honestly, so. like my my big beef right now is, is just I want the refs to be more willing. The challenge system I think is a step in the right direction because it allows refs to recognize like your word isn't the absolute word that like you can't see everything. Because and right. this is where I'm going to transition to baseball because in baseball there's nothing like that. The ump is no, the umpires the, are the final word. Period. Yeah. Even if it makes zero sense. Now, okay, I'm going to sound like a Toronto fan for a little bit here. But I'm not a Toronto okay. fan, okay? I'm not. It's true. He's wearing an Oakland hat. Yes. And there's actually a great game from this year where Oakland struck out a bunch of Toronto players that were – the guy clearly threw fouls and they called him as strikes. Like they were so far outside of the strike zone and the ump was oh, like so strike. Ball. Yeah, so sorry, I mean like this. Sorry, they were throwing balls and they were like strike, strike. And it was like – what world are we live? Wait, what? What do you mean? And it's like, where, where, where is that a strike? Yeah, yeah. You're, yeah. No, but there's no talking to an ump without getting kicked out of a game or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So okay, there's this great game against the Houston Astros, which is also a team I hate. So this is a really tough game for me to be like, who do I? Why were you for? watching this game? <laughs> I was at the yeah. gym, and it was like one of those like, it was like the game in 30 minutes. So it was like the highlight game type of thing on the oh, gym sure. screen. So they I was just watching it because it was on. Yeah. And I'm watching this thing and they have this new rule now, which is it's a good rule in baseball. So pitch to to discourage pitchers from hurting players. If a pitcher throws a ball and it hits a player and it seems like that ball didn't go wild but just went straight at the player, a a, yeah. a pitcher can get kicked out of the game. So it's just a way to oh, stop. Oh, okay. It's a way to stop like really crappy people. From like that's almost like a flagrant two yes. or something being put into baseball. Well, because okay. here's the thing: these guys are throwing; they're not like they're not lobbing them in and hitting the players. They're throwing no, it's fastballs. like hundred miles per hour. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and they're hitting people in the head. They're hitting people in the arm. So this new rule is like, yeah, this is a good rule to have. However, there's this one pitcher in the fifth inning. They're playing. No, they're playing the Yankees. I apologize. It's still, I don't like the Yankees, but they're playing the Yankees. They're winning against the Yankees. Their pitcher throws it. The moment he let go, you can see the ball curve out, and you can see him be like, oh, no, type of thing. Like, yeah. the pitcher's like, oh, no, curves out and got hits. got away from me. And got yeah. away from him and hits. The ump stands up and kicks him out of the game. Kicks their fifth-inning pitcher, who can go to seven easily. Go to seven mm-hmm. easily, kick him out of the game. And Toronto's coach is like, wait, what? What do you mean? Like, and he goes out to the field and they start yelling and they're starting to talk and the ump's just like having none of it. It's like, no, this is how this works. This is, I say this guy's out. He clearly tried to hit this person. He's out. And everyone Mm -hmm. was like, all the commentators, everything was like, this is a terrible call. Like, this is not good calls. It's crazy because you're talking about like a 58 year old man, maybe. No, this is a younger guy. He's in his 40s. But yes, I know what you mean. Like a lot of these umpires are pretty old. Yes. And they're fixated on the strike zone or should be. Yes. So how much attention is he really paying to like the posture and body language of the pitcher? Yes. For this pitch, you know, like 100%. I don't know that he's the guy to make that call. Do you want to hear how it gets worse place. though? Do you want to hear how yeah. it gets worse? So two innings later, Yankees are up and they're up in points. So they're winning now. And okay. Toronto's now going through their, their, their bench a bunch of times, but Yankees are pitching. 
a Yankee throws a wild fast pitch that nearly clocks Toronto's star player in the head if he doesn't duck out at the last second. Okay. Nothing. Well, because he wasn't hit, right? He wasn't hit, nothing. But nothing. Like, nearly knocked out their star player. He dived out at the last second, almost got beamed in the head. The coach, Toronto coach, from way off, not even standing on the sideline, he's in the bullpen, like fully in the bullpen. He's like, he yells something like, of course, or whatever, or something. Uh, Ump walks out, kicks him out of the game. <laughs> okay. And then he I was like, someone was going to have to kick dirt on his shoes. No, and then no. Get kicked out. That's what he's so confused. Cause he's like, I'm in the bullpen. I'm not even approaching it. I'm allowed to say whatever I want. I'm not allowed to be sarcastic over here. No. And then, so yeah. he's like, fine, I'm going to get my money's worth. And he runs on and he starts yelling at the umps because he's kicked out. He's might as well just get his money's worth. and Get, the get your money's worth. Yeah. So this all has happened to Toronto. Toronto is going like they've gone through. Typically a pitcher goes to seven or eight and then they go to like their backup pitcher for the final inning. Who's only really ever good for one inning, but they have mm-hmm. four innings to fill with pitchers now that they have uh. to get worse and worse. Toronto finally goes up by two, one point. They get two runs in the inning, so they're up by one. It's the last inning, the bottom of the inning. They're on their final crappy pitcher. He walks two people, and then a, and then a home run, and the Yankees win. And it is just like the mo- some of the most disgusting umping I've seen. But in baseball, there is no negotiation. Umping, it is yeah. seen such a pure thing that you couldn't even ever fathom to negotiate with an ump or with any any umpire team. It's Yeah, this nuts. is this is why when we were talking about like Will Ferrell sports movies, I was thinking like the perfect project for him to still do a sports movie is to like do a biopic about one of these umps and how they have such an inflated ego and <laughs> sense of themselves that they're just these little mini dictators out there ruining games, <laughs> you know. Well, There's okay. one I know of named Angel Hernandez specifically. Yeah. who I, I thought could be like this the basically the subject of this biopic like and this like this how very... was that a strike yeah yeah okay but, here's the thing so this all... baseball fights are really funny to me like the dirt shoe oh, yeah. kicking stuff well and no like, and it's a, not even just that like the worst part of it so you can faces kick, you can kick dirt on the shoes of an ump and they'd be okay with it the moment you start kicking dirt on like home plate that's when oh, they're like yeah that's like that's when like, they like you're disrespecting baseball <laughs> yeah. or something. Get out of yeah, here! I know. But to, okay, here's the thing. So this was this is right around the time when this game took place. This is right around when Toronto was playing Philly uh, mm. in the first round of the NBA playoffs. And after Game One, Nick Nurse famously in his uh, post game interview was like, "These refs have to get their crap under control because, like, mm-hmm. the refs that game were." pretty hard on Toronto and pretty lenient on not, I wouldn't say Philly. I would just say Joel. Joel was getting away with murder in that game type of thing. Yeah. And yeah. in fact, he did murder a player <laughs> during the game and they didn't even give him a flight. So <laughs> it was kind of crazy. So yeah. now Scotty Barnes took a hard hit and yes. was out for a couple days. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and which is essentially the same thing. And then like Joel was being more of a turd. And then the next game he walked up to Nick nurse and he said, to like he quieted him and it was like oh I stopped complaining, but here's mm-hmm. the thing: there is a little bit of this because we see it in hockey a little bit too. There's this like anti-Canadian air around sports that seems to be mm. more reflected within refing and umping than sometimes and sometimes in upper management of team of leagues. 
like it's just like somehow like the the frustration of having to go through customs or something or something or like, like it's fly like to a different so country. here's the thing i'm i'm in yeah. this toronto new york game i'm interested is this guy this ump is he from new york or is he from canada because i guarantee mm. you he's not from canada he's probably from new york and he's like how dare a, tr- a canadian baseball team ever beat the yankees like the greatest baseball team of all time <laughs> I don't know if they they could ever be that slanted in their opinionating. I, I am curious sometimes about like where were you born? Yeah. <laughs> you know, 100%. I know like Obama, it doesn't matter, but where was Angel Hernandez? Yeah, that's what I mean. Like I, I just Cuban because like but, then you yeah. hear okay, so like then you even hear like Reggie Miller will get on there and being like, hey, I'm happy Toronto won in 2019, but never again. Like basketball is not a Canadian sport. Like he he said this in yeah. one of his commentary bits, and I was like, what? Like. I don't like. I'm not like one. Like James Naismith was Canadian, but whatever. here's the thing: like, I'm not one to like just inherently cheer for Canada teams. Like, we only have one Canada basketball and baseball team, and I don't cheer for either of them. Mm-hmm. But the idea that like anything from Canada is like he essentially said, stick to hockey. And it was like what he said, and I was just like, what? Like, what do you hockey mean? Hockey officiating looks so crazy to me. Like, I've been watching more hockey in the last week because of the Battle of Alberta. Like, there's a lot of local squad stuff. Yeah. Like, how much they let go in, like, terms of, like, weird chippy after play mm-hmm. shoving and jostling is just, like, this is insane coming from basketball because <laughs> all of those people would be suspended. Well, okay, but here's in, the... In yeah. the world of basketball. So, in, in basketball, though, somebody recently... I was watching uh, a... a, a this might be, this is going to totally date ourselves. I was watching a Cavs and Warriors game and the commentators were all going on about like, like there was one call that I was like, are we in the nineties, eighties basketball again? Like, how is that not like, uh, cause they were really pumped that it wasn't a flagrant or something like that because they're like in today's game, there was, was this would be a flagrant. So they're there all like, it shouldn't be head. So that's probably like, everyone's like, this shouldn't be a flagrant, but it will be. And it wasn't. And everyone was like, wait, are we in 80s again? Like, this is 80s, 90s basketball? And I was like, yeah, it's like, we live in an era, but we live in an era of basketball where we protect our players because so many players get hurt off of dumb things, like crowding their and landing And other zones. sports have all the concussion problems and stuff. So and and NBA doesn't. Anything. Yeah. There's yeah. concussion protocols because sometimes you do take an elbow. Oh, for something. sure. But, like, our biggest problems is landing zones, right? Like, people twisting their ankles is the biggest. Yeah, yeah. Or, like, pulling yeah. their hamstrings or like tearing an ACL like those are all the those are career ending things type of thing to people like basketball injuries yeah, yeah. which I, I honestly I appreciate it I don't watch contact sports because I because I, I have a tough time with watching human beings destroy themselves for something that means something to them but like they're wearing all the equipment and stuff I just don't understand how they let like Okay, you kind of got in the crease on that scoring attempt, so now I'm going to start shoving you and this is being what, all angry no, no, about like, it. And so but like, even just whoa, body what? checks and back checks and all the stuff. It's like, why can't you just play the sport and just pass it to each other and just avoid each, touching each other? It's like you guys, you guys aren't football. You don't have to be. But there's a, like there's yeah. a pride to hockey and fights and all the stuff. And I'm like, I I people I know love it, and I'm I just don't. I want to watch people yeah i know like the 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 battle of alberta game we did go to a few years ago where i said there was like a goalie fight like the crowd was stoked yes and i was just like this is really sad and weird like (laughs) why is this happening yeah it's a little it's a little off-putting for me personally and like i just even watching football i'm just like hey those like eight players at the front here that don't get paid nearly enough money they're literally their whole job is to smash their heads into other people's heads and it's Mm -hmm. like 
but they're not going to get paid enough to get cover any of their health care once they retire in four years because they have to like yeah no it's pretty gnarly uh football's also had insane officiating stuff like i think it's just in the world of hd video and like slow-mo and all this like review don't yeah like you should be able to review more than these three humans or what what i find baffling is the amount of reviews that go up to headquarters that come back and we all see it we see the slow-mo we see the angles and they come back yeah the supporting the the dome saw it on the screen 50 times and then we and like, then no, they come back nothing. and it was like no that was clearly Elliot and the other player and you're like everyone's like it was off of his fingers we saw it like we see we can see like second by we can see millisecond by millisecond it was touched last by that guy live you can't eh. see it but you can see it in replay so yeah I don't know no it it definitely makes I I I swear a lot of this is just like well we got to keep it moving or whatever yes with like the officiating oh, especially sure. basketball like they want to keep it going. Well, because but, pace uh, yeah. pace matters a lot in basketball. It really does. And it honestly, it does in hockey too. When you're moving, like you talked about how chippy it was. It's because I think there's like an actual stat that like they try to call less minor penalties in playoff hockey um, like that they would call in a regular league game. Oh, yeah. Playoff officiating versus regular season is also just this dramatic weird change. Yeah. And like players that get really used to these calls during the regular season become hopeless in yes. the in the post. Oh yeah, you can see like, it too. What's because... going on? That guy scraped my arms, and it's like we don't care. Yeah, Just like we got to keep the pace because honestly, because pace matters in a game too, right? Like if you if your team who's under and they're you're on a run, the worst thing that can happen is a timeout or they put a stoppage to play or something because then you kind of lose that steam of being on a run, right? Like, cause you yeah. can have a gap in your energy and therefore, and that's why coaches call timeouts when it's like 10 Oh, yeah, it can be strategic. Like they're doing well right now. So let's freeze that. Let them cool down. Yeah. Lose their, lose their energy a bit and then get back to it. But when it's not that, it's just like, Oh, there's, there was some minor thing we need to really study. Yeah. <laughs> it kind of ruins it. It does. But anyways, I do I do kind of love when like, you know, a game's close on like the archive because it's like it's been at like 12 seconds forever. (laughs) Like it's clearly something's going on. No. okay. so what I I get bummed about because you and I both have the league account. What I get bummed about is when I see it's a two hour game on the shorter version and I'm like, overtime. This is amazing. And then it gets and it's like there's two minutes left and there's 30 minutes of play left. And I'm like, we're going to get overtime today. And it's like, no, that 30 minutes was just for that two minutes of play. <laughs> oh yeah. Like there was just free throws and like both coaches used their challenges. There was 100%. blood on the ball. Yeah. Like, it was stuff. like, it was like, oh no, this was, this was just a regulation game. We just had like that last four minutes was 30 minutes of the game. One quarter of the game was the last four minutes. And you're like, all right. Yeah, I get I get why people are like we should get rid of some of these free throws because this is that's the thing is with blowouts is they're way shorter. Yeah. <laughs> like that game yeah, we when were you, alluding to when last you see, week when I turn was a golden, like eighty eight minutes. When I turn yeah. turn in a Golden State game and they're always like just exactly hour and thirty minutes, I'm like, oh, this sucks. This sucks. I think Someone I'm, won by a lot, and I, I bet know I know who, this who is it going. is. So yeah. Anyways, anyway, sports. So yeah, hopefully that biopic comes together. Angel Hernandez. That's why I'm hoping. <laughs> I will just because we'll, like I I like Will being really irate and like full of himself, and that fits the persona of the uppity official to me. So, yeah, I mean like and yeah. you just you just put it out into the world, Nathan. So it's mm-hmm. out there. So if it does happen, you should sue for credit. I guess so. Yeah, 
Uh, I guess just a brief follow-up since we're we're still talking about Will. Like, I think the story you were telling me about his and Adam McKay's rift happened around the Jerry Buss role for winning winning time. Okay, that's what I heard. Yes. Yeah. 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 It was like he had a he had a he wanted to play. I didn't know the specifics, but I knew that it was like Adam McKay had a project. Will wanted to be a part of it, and Adam didn't know how to say no to him, so he just casted Didn't. somebody else yeah and cast john c Riley, which like john c Riley is kind of perfect for it yeah but will is a huge like basketball fan and i i could see why he'd really want to be a part of it so kind of sucks how that went it's more uh, like i think the way it, the way adam broke it down was just like he's like everything would have been fine if i just gave him a call and told him like hey i want to move in a different direction but i just mm. i didn't talk to him and i didn't and i ignored it and i was like nervous it just it just sounded like he wasn't being thoughtful and he hurt Wolf's feelings is what it comes down to, which yeah. sucks because that's, that's, that's yeah, no, they're, they're quite a creative team. Yeah. So hopefully they can mend that bridge at some point. Yeah. Um, that's but hope. okay. Uh, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to send us some summertime questions, email Ryan at okv.ca or Nathan at okv.ca. It'll still technically be spring, but it's, it's nice out there. <laughs> uh, you can also tweet at okvo podcast. We're also on Instagram, OKVO Podcast. Uh, Ryan manages that, and it's honestly where we have gotten the most engagement. So you can ask us stuff there. I'll try to tweet more. Uh, Next week is our ranking episode, where we take a look back at the batch of feral films and compare how we felt they stack up against each other. We will also announce what we will be focusing on in the next batch. Should be fun. Until then, I'm Nathan. And I'm Ryan. And you know what they say, a snapple a day keeps the dentist away.